Hey friend, welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I am your host, Dana Shea, and I am beyond excited, you all, because we are launching our very first singles series today. That's right, you guys, because there is a large percentage of you all who follow this podcast who are single. Shut the front door. So I really wanted to be able to serve you well. I know why you're here. I know that you're here because you hear lots of marriage advice and you really want to lay a really solid foundation for when that time comes. So as my gift to you, we are going to do the next several episodes only focusing on singles. Now, if you're married, I want you to stick around because you're going to want to share these episodes with a single person that you love. Trust me, they are going to thank you for it. Plus, I think that we married people really need to learn from single people instead of thinking we know everything, especially when we're trying to give them advice that is not practical and outdated. And I'm on a soapbox, so I'm going to go ahead and jump off of that. And so I'm entitling this series Single AF. Now, before you delete me and say, OMG, I thought she was a Christian. Why is she titling the series Single AF? It actually stands for single and free. So there you go. Where is your mind? Okay. So listen, today, y'all, we have John Sims on the podcast. And John was actually introduced to me by my friend, Vernicia, which Vernicia will also be on the podcast. They are both single. And so I'm not trying to like set up any love connections or anything. I'm sure I'm probably embarrassing them both as they are listening to this episode right now. But John dropped, when I tell you some major bombs on us, y'all, like as a married woman, I really do tread very lightly when I'm talking to single people because I got married at 18. And so I really don't know what it's like out here in these streets, y'all. Like I really don't know what it is like to be single. And so I love the fact that I can pull on my single friends to say, hey, jump on a podcast with me because I really want to be able to encourage single people, some who want to get married and some who do not. I certainly do not take for granted that every single person wants to get married. Some of y'all are like living your best lives and you're just like, I am totally content in being single. But then there are some of you who really do wish to get married. Many of you, that's why you follow this podcast. So I hope that you're going to enjoy this conversation that I have with John. I tried to ask him all the questions if I was a single female that I would want to know from a single man. And so I've entitled this episode Episode, episode 31, Five Attributes That a Kingdom Single Man Is Looking For in a Single Woman. And you'll understand what these five attributes are. It's going to take us a minute to get there. We really had a great kind of introductory conversation, but once John actually started getting into the meat, it was really good. Actually, I'm a vegan. So once he started getting into the hummus, it was so tasty. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, Hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it's going to be really, really impactful. I think that it's going to open up your eyes. I think that if you are wanting to be in a relationship, a serious committed relationship that will lead to marriage, this is going to give you some really great insight. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with John Sims. (laughs) 
All right, John. Well, I'm excited for our conversation today. I was telling you before we actually started that my good friend, Vernicia, I was asking her, I was like, all right, y'all got to help me out because I do not know where any good Christian single men are. And so I was like, you know, let me know where they are. And they were like, girl, when we find them, we will let you know, but we'll probably take them uh, because they're not a lot out there. So I'm excited to like talk to you today. Like I was telling you before, most, uh, I would say maybe 40% of my audience is single. And there's a part of me that I'm like, I don't really feel like I'm really serving them well. And so I think that our conversation today is really going to be able to help, especially the ladies, but even the guys, um, to be able to have some good tools, to be able to learn something new. And I'm um, hopefully to be encouraged that, you know, the waiting is not for nothing. Definitely. Yeah. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I don't know if you want to share how old you are, but like, you know, how old you are. Why haven't you been married yet? Or maybe have you been married? Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself in the context of relationships. Okay. So, uh, yeah, awesome. I would love to. Uh, my name is John Sims. I am 32 years old. I have no problem saying that. Um, and I, I run a multimedia marketing firm called Digital Pro Designs. I also serve at my local church as a deacon and over the media ministry as a coordinator for our youth ministry as well. Unlike a lot of my friends, like, well, my older friends back, you know, who I used to hang with, I actually wanted to get married early. And they would kind of like clown me about it. They would be like, John, John, I always want to have a girlfriend because they, they just want to talk to however many women they want to talk to. And me, I, I was always the opposite of that. But what happened was um, as I went through different relationships and it would be the same pattern, I would get hurt unintentionally or unintentionally hurt someone because, you know, just because that was the way it would play out. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like got a little annoyed with it. And I was like, you know, I'm, and I'm short because I don't want to take up all of your time with this. Uh, but I was like, OK, God, you know what? I don't even want to get hurt anymore or unintentionally, unintentionally hurt any women anymore. So so let me just chill and just, you know, follow what you want me to do. And I don't even want to like try to approach anyone else unless you give me to go. So, um, so I did that. And after my last, you know, heartbreak, I was just like, you know, just chill, focus on me. And so I've been single for about, uh, about seven years since 2014, my last, last relationship. Wow. And that wasn't what I asked for. He'll say, I don't have John's grace. And I'm like, Bishop, I didn't ask for this grace. Like this is, this is just what God got me doing. <laughs> okay. So you've been single this for about seven years. years. I want to learn a little bit more about what do you mean by this unintentionally hurting people? Like, what did that look like? Um, that looks like when you, you get into, um, you get into a relationship because you kind of like somebody kind of interested them, but, um, but, you're interested in them and their interests are on two different levels. So I would have moments and it's been vice versa where I would, you know, kind of like a girl. I'm like, you know, I think I'm getting into a relationship with her, but her level of emotional investment was way deeper than mine. Hmm. And so, and, you know, me being younger, like maybe 22, 23, I'm still discovering, you know, as a man, how I operate with my emotions, you know, admitting that and not being afraid to, you know, not being too proper to admit that I was still learning how I operate with my feelings and my emotions. And so I would get in these relationships and they'll find out later on that, okay, this woman is really, really into me. And it's certain times where I just want to be left alone. And she's looking at this like, okay, I'm looking, I was really, really into you. And because I didn't understand how to articulate what I was feeling on my emotions and the accurate way to not hurt people, I would end up unintentionally hurting them. And just a small revelation. Um, I remember the one of the last pivotal ones I had, I was like 23 and me and the girl had got kind of close, but my heart wasn't all the way in it like that. You know, I thought she was cool, but I felt like things were moving a little bit too quick. And then um, we got into this argument and I just saw the argument as my way out. I was like, you know what? Don't text me anymore. And she was like, wow, that was me. And I didn't say anything else. Nothing, not a thing. And I remember about probably like 
a week or two weeks later, I remember I was, my granddad passed away and um, I kind of felt that same feeling I had when I cut her off. And I had this weird feeling of, I was just upset. And I didn't even know why I was upset. So I got in the car, I was like, I was like, you know what, God? I was like, why am I so upset right now? Because I think I got, my mom has had a conversation with me. She was like, you know, your granddad passed away. I was like, okay, cool. And I kind of brushed off and I walked outside and I thought, I was like, why is she not like she cares? And God was like, that was because nobody ever explained to you how the most important relationship in with you at when you first had got cut off. That's why you cut other women off. When my mom and my dad split mm-hmm. when I was seven years old, nobody said anything to me. So my default reaction, whenever I thought that me in a relationship with a woman wasn't going right, to cut them off before I got cut off. Because that relationship with him got cut off with nothing being said to me. So it developed the same habit and I didn't know that's where it came from. So I asked him about that with that last relationship. I'm like, God, why I cut that girl off like that? He was like, because that's what happened to you. So you had the same habit. So that was yeah. Awful. It's almost like you know, hurt before being hurt. Yes. So that was kind of, but it, it took me going back to that seven year old age to figure out what happened with that. And it took my granddad in Atlanta, who I had never seen, where I couldn't tell you what he looked like to this day, affecting me in that way because I was upset with all the broken relationships that nothing was explained to me about. Like, why did you and Dad split up and not talk to me about yeah. it? Why did you move from Brooklyn here to Columbia, South Carolina, and not not tell me anything? And you say, and and why did um why is dad all the way in New York and his dad is all the way in Atlanta and this is the same cycle and they they're nowhere around each other. He's gone and I don't even know who he is. So it was all of those layers mm. that I kind of had to like that last relationship that kind of helped me realize I was like, okay, I kind of got some self work I got to do and got to figure out with God like what's going on with me and have these conversations. Yeah, well, I mean, hats off to you for first of all realizing that for having that revelation and then taking some time away because I think a lot of men would maybe they'd have the revelation, but then they'd be like, I'm good. Y'all you know, may keep on, you know, dating. I'm going to keep on having relationships and keep on like hurting people along the way. So the fact that you realize I need to take a step back and work on me. Something that you said, John, you said, you know, um, when you were dating the girl and you were like, I was into her, but not to the same level that she was into me. Do you feel that that's typical? Do you feel like females get involved more quickly emotionally than guys do? Or do you think it's more of a case by case situation? I think it's a case by case situation because um, I believe culture society makes it the brand of it is that it happens to women more, but I feel like it happens to a lot of guys as well. The only difference is culture has told us not to share it because it's off to share it. And, and um, I do want to say this on the podcast. I believe that's a complete contradiction and that emotional pain is actually more excruciating than physical pain. But we as men Mm -hmm. are taught to deal with emotional pain the same way you deal with physical pain. And that's how you end up hurting other people because you never address it. Case in point, like I, um, I got shot back, back in 2009. I was shot with a 45. I wasn't supposed to have my left arm anymore. It was the most excruciating physical pain I've ever experienced. My, my arm felt like it was on fire. However, after they did the surgery and everything, I didn't have to do anything to address that arm for my muscles to heal up the way they needed to. I didn't have to like take it to therapy or talk about it. The, the arm was going to heal the way it was just because that's what my muscles and my skin cells are designed to do. But emotional pain, when I got my heart broke, I cried, but I didn't cry when I got shot, which shows me that this is a different type of pain. Mm. And if I would have never addressed it or talked about it, I would have ended up hurting other people. But as men, I believe as as young men, what happens is if you get a cut or if you get a scrape, you're told by your parents or your, or your older brothers, don't cry because cry, that's, that's a punk if you cry. And so you're taught not to cry about it. So that means it develops a habit of suppressing your emotions. Because it did hurt, you're just taught not to deal, not to deal with it, and the muscles will heal itself. That's true, 
But then you end up dealing with emotional pain the same way. However, that healing process doesn't happen with emotional pain the same way. Your emotions don't heal the same way your physical body does. So when you don't address it, now all of a sudden you go through and everything swept under the rug and you have adverse reactions with other women or other people because you never addressed that hurt. You never talked about it and you never let it out. That is a mic drop. I mean, I think that's such a revelation, even for married people, because what happens is, you know, and this is why I always advise people like don't go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, because not only do you have all that baggage from whatever happened in that relationship, but sure, there's inevitably there are going to be hurts there. None of us breaks up with someone just because we're happy and peaceful all the time. And so if we're not addressing, just like you said, if we're not addressing those different wounds, those different hurts, maybe um, words that have been spoken over us, then we inevitably just carry that into the next relationship. And it's like a callus. It's, we feel like we're healed, but there's a difference between a wound being healed and then a wound being calloused over. And so I feel like, you know, what you're saying is so needed. People need to hear that you need to take a step back and you need to be able to, especially as men, need to be able to address. I feel like women get passes all day. Like we can cry, we can cry on friends' shoulders, we can lament, we can talk about it, we can vent. But men um, definitely don't have or haven't been afforded that same freedom, especially in, you know, in America, at least to be able to really just emote freely like that and to be able to emote with friends. Like, how would your friends respond if you were crying on the phone? And <laughs> I don't got to go into that. that. That was something I even mentioned. They had me do a well, just recently I did a video like around Valentine's Day talking about how to get over heartbreak. But one of the things I really elaborated on is you got to process your pain, but you got to do it in private. Like, mm. because, and, and, but so it doesn't mean don't process it at all, but you have to do it in private because if you have the wrong type of friends, they're going to clown you about it. They're going to try to make you feel insecure about it. And right. definitely right. can't let the woman that's your heartbroken over. You can't do that to her because you're giving her a whole bunch of stuff that she can't handle. She's like, whoa, I didn't ask for all this. And vice versa, a guy would feel the same way if woman did that to, to him. So you have to learn how to process in private, even with a trusted source, like maybe a therapist that keeps it in confidence or go to God about it, you know, or a combination of both. But you got to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been seven years since the last like real relationship. Right. So what are you waiting for right now? Like, is it just you haven't found the right one or are you just too focused on work? Like, what's the deal? Oh, uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. God has me going through this process where it's like, um. He would give me when I when I would like try to talk to different girls, like because I, I didn't want to go through a whole seven year process. I was trying to say, well, God, I didn't get to those girls. Or, you know, like my ex is off engaged, married to somebody else. I was like, I feel like I'm good now. And he would be like, no. And I'm like, what about this? He'd be like, no. I'm like, really, yo? <laughs> like, this this how we gonna do this? And I could tell the difference because it it wasn't my choice. I would get to know different women. And the Holy Spirit would literally wake me up in the middle of the night or give me dreams and say, you know, I didn't tell you to talk to that girl. And I, would be, and I would feel bad about it. So I would have to get on the phone and like literally it was the conviction was so strong. And me, I like my sleep. So I, if I know I got woke up at 3 a.m., the Holy Spirit would be like, you already know why you up. And I'm like, because that God is blunt with me. I'd be like, man, really? So I would know, okay, I got to call this girl later on today. And it would be one of those things. It would be even something smaller, like just us being friends. And the Lord would be like, you're looking at this as friends, but she sees a whole future with you. And I would call and I would be like, hey, um, I know we've been cool for a while, but... Um, God's been dealing with me about really just being focused on him. So I, I apologize for leading you on or anything. I know, even though I know we were just friends, but, and they would start breaking out crying on the phone. And so for me, I'm like, I thought this wasn't that deep. We were just cool. But God would show me like, this is why you got to listen to me. And I, and I felt so bad. I'm like, okay, I don't ever do that again. So, um, 
So yeah, it, and yeah. the thing is, he would give me all this revelation for single people, but also about relationships. And I knew it was only coming those the things I would say. I'm like, okay, God, that wasn't me. That was all you. But the only reason I would get that type of stuff is because I was being delivered about not dating people. So the more that I was like going through this process, he would speak to me about relationships and things that I'm like, I shouldn't even know this guy. But it was only because it was, I believe he wanted to use me for a different purpose to be able to minister to other people who needed to hear things who had the right heart. But I think one of the things that you are learning and leading in is teaching people how to wait. Because I think some people can be like, okay, my last relationship ended last year. I need to wait six months before I start dating again. But the fact that you're like, I've been waiting seven years. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And, and the crazy thing about it is, it's like, I do believe that that time is coming to a close pretty soon. I um, I have been getting to know someone on a friendship level and it's uh-huh. for, you know, we've been friends for like about, you know, almost, almost three years. And um, it's, it's, it's a very, I know it's a very special friendship. It's unique. Um, it, We haven't, you know, we haven't gone to like a dating phase or anything like that. But it's a friendship that God always deals with me about. We we can talk to each other about anything. There's a very deep level of trust there. And there's things that I've learned about myself. One thing that's pivotal about me, and I want to say this because I think it's going to help out a lot of people because I didn't notice about myself, was that God was, he said something to me. He was like, John, you never even knew how to be friends with a woman without it progressing to a relationship. And it just like, it shocked me. I was like, wow. He was like, you never knew how, he was like, for you, it was always about the angle. Like, is this going to turn into a relationship or is this going to be a dating relationship? He was like, but you never knew how to be friends with, with, a, with a woman without, without having any ulterior motives for that. And so it really, um, it really made me, cause me to bear fruit in that area. Cause I was like, wow, guys, you're right. I always was that type. I'm like, if this isn't going to turn into a relationship, you know, why we need to be friends? And he was like, there's nothing wrong with being, just being a friend to a woman, especially out of obedience to me. You know, now he wouldn't let me do this on my own terms for different women that I just want. But it was for this particular person. He did tell me, instruct me to be, be a friend to her. And I've seen fruit. I've seen more fruit, Dana, out of this friendship than I've seen out of any quote unquote romantic relationship I've ever had. That's awesome. And what a great way to start off, you know, I'm not going to like prophesy a marriage over it, but you know, what a great way to start off a marriage or a long-term relationship by laying that foundation of friendship. And again, just back to my married listeners, I think so many married people jump into a serious relationship and then you're married and you realize you're really not friends. You're not, you're not exuding those friendship qualities. And so then when you start going through real deep things in your marriage, you can't, you can't handle it because the relationship was never built on that foundation of trust and friendship and fun and listening, learning how to be a good listener, being compassionate, being empathetic, like all of those really important foundational things were never developed because you were just focused on like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to this person physically, like all your physical, your hormones, all these things are, are, you know, going crazy. And instead of us really just focusing on, let me really get to know this person. And yes. so I think that, again, what you're modeling is so needed. Let me ask you, since I know that we've got like kind of the woman in the wings here, right? But like, what, what were you looking for in a woman? What I was looking for, um, I kind of want to give you two perspectives on this. One is the, the biblical perspective, because like after during that time, I really studied like Ruth and Esther and I kind of translated qualities that they had over to the practical. So I was like, well, that's what I want in a woman. Oh, this is so I want to um, I want to talk about that because I think that was really cool for me. One of them I, and I wrote down like kind of pros and cons. I was looking for exclusivity, not impossibility. Like Ruth, Ruth was taught by Naomi how to stand out. And, and I'm not going to deep pass to the scripture, but when when they went to the party that Boaz was at, 
Naomi told Ruth, don't be up there with all the other girls in his face. Stand apart and make, basically she said, make yourself exclusive. Don't allow yourself to categorize mm-hmm. yourself with every other girl who's going to try to get attention from him the whole time at the party. And that was something that I was like, okay, that's what I want. I don't want a woman that looks overly desperate, like trying to get attention from me. I want to know that she's securing herself mm-hmm. being exclusive. Now I said exclusive, not impossible, meaning that I believe a lot of times you can we can get that word exclusive misconstrued. And now if the right guy with the right filter mm-hmm. settings tries to approach you, you kind of curb them because you think you want to make it difficult. That's what I wasn't going for. I was like, if I do approach someone, it doesn't have to be completely easy, but it's all if you're already set apart and God already made you exclusive, you don't have to do anything extra. You know, all you gotta do is be yourself and be securing yourself. But me as a man, I'm looking for a response. I'm looking for, you know, a response of, of, of genuine interest as well. I'm not trying to jump through hoops and do the most if I'm thinking you're not feeling me like that, because I'm gonna go on about my business. That's uh, that's the individual that's the type of individual that I am. And the second thing, I kind of mentioned this, but yeah, availability and not desperation. Like, um, show me that you're interested that you're interested in response if I you know genuinely approach you, but don't show me that you're desperate. Don't blow my phone up. Don't don't be calling me 24-7. You know, um, one of the other things I wrote, I was like, I want an asset and not a liability. So when you look at Ruth, mm, talk about it. When you look at Ruth, like um Boaz knew who Ruth was before he even approached her. Because he had reference points. When Ruth first followed Naomi, when she said, you know what, Naomi, I'm going to make your guy my guy. I know Orpah going to go do her thing, but I'm going to follow you. I'm not going nowhere. She showed loyalty. She showed perception. She showed how to how to, how to to honor leadership. And so when she got there, Boaz asked his foreman, he was like, yo, who's that? That shows me, first off, Boaz thought she was cute because ain't no dude asking, yo, who that is working on my um, property. If he That's ain't right. he'll just bring That's by. Right. He asked his foreman, he's like, yo, who that? And the former was like, oh, her? Yo, that's um, that's Ruth. He was like, you know what? She's been here since since sun up working and she ain't took a break yet. Automatically, Boaz knew, oh, she a hard worker. You know, she, so now you're not just pretty, you're a hard worker. Next thing you know, you know, he's like, you know, and so you're an asset because I already know you're a hard worker and you're not doing it to impress me because you don't even know who I am. So that was another mm-hmm. thing. I was like, you know, I want an asset, not a liability. And I want to be able to observe this, you know, observe that you're on your own personal journey to greatness regardless of a man that has nothing. Ruth was already relevant yeah. before she met Boaz. A lot of, and I like, I think a lot of times we breeze over that and I like Boaz made her relevant. No, he didn't. She was way relevant before she even met him. Her relevancy low key was what mm. allowed him to notice who she was in the first place. The next thing. All right. So That's I was like, so good. Can I just, like, I just want to take a pause. Like, just hang on. I'm like, that is so, so good. Like, I hope, I hope, I hope my single listeners are listening to this. I'm literally taking notes and I've been married for 22 years, but you know, it's, it's so good to hear, like to be an asset and not a liability. You know, I came across this funny uh, Facebook video the other day and it, it was a little bit raunchy a little bit, but the girl, but the information was good. Right. So the girl was like, basically, talking to these single females and she's like, you say that you want your man to have good credit, but you got a 500 score. You know, you want your man to be fit, but you haven't gone to the gym in two years. You want your man. And so she's basically talking about like all these um, unrealistic expectations that a lot of single women have. And I was coaching um, one of my clients that I'm coaching. I, I told her, I said, you know, I want you to write down all the things that you want in a single man, but then I want you to write who you need to become in order to attract that single man. That's good. Yeah. And so what you're talking about, Ruth, like she was already relevant before she met Boaz, because mm-hmm. that's not what we've been taught in the church. We've been taught. And this is why so many single women are like, oh, I'm waiting for my Boaz. I'm waiting for my Boaz. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, as you're waiting for your Boaz, how are you becoming Ruth? 
Yes, yes. How are you becoming rude? And also, another thing I wrote down, I was like, um, you have to know how to present yourself. Mm. If you and the thing is, and you know, I don't, you know, I want to say this in the most polit- politically correct way, but I was like, it's okay to be sexy, but setting is everything. Um, as men, I can't really explain this, I guess, in the right way of words, but I would try. If you're posing just for the gram and doing it for the likes, we can tell. But if you're organically sexy because mm-hmm. it's, you you enjoy the outfit and that's who you are, we can tell. We I've seen women on Instagram who have sexy outfits on, they look nice, and you can, I believe, through a way of perception, because certain men, we have the right filter settings on, you can tell she's not doing this to try to get a bunch of likes. She's posing because she's confident in who she is. And that's really who she is. So she's not doing it to try to see how many guys like it or anything. She's just being organically appreciating herself. And then there's a difference between when you see the other girl who's just doing the most. It could be, matter of fact, it could be two women wearing the same outfit, but they wear it with a different posture. One can wear it with a posture and it's like she's trying to get all of the likes, like she's trying to get an endorsement deal or she's trying to see how many guys comment. And but guys, for us with the right filter settings on, we can tell the difference. And it's like, okay, I see why you did that, but I see why she did it. One is organic, one is manufactured. One is manufactured because you want the attention. The other one is organic because she's just genuinely appreciative of who she is. So mm-hmm. that was that was That's another good, thing. John. And what and okay, on that point, I'll say it's okay to be sexy, but can you hear God while can you can you be can you hear God while doing it? Because that's what Esther did. Esther heard God about what outfit to wear for the king because she knew when she, the king she was married to, because she knew when she had to go speak to him about Mordecai, which means she knew how to be sexy, but she knew how to get out while doing it. So that goes back to my other point. You can have a woman that's organically being sexy and God might've really told her to post a post, but not to get a whole bunch of attention from guys, but to give another one of her friends who might be following her the confidence to say, be appreciative of yourself regardless of if you have a man or not. Posture is everything. That's right. Yeah, posture is everything. And another thing I, I put down, I was like, you know, I want a woman who has humility and confidence. So to your point earlier about that woman who's making, are you becoming that roof? I'm I'm observing of the accolades. And I, and even, you know, if it's a woman I'm getting to know, I will celebrate with the accolades. If you got over 100,000 in your account or you're making that kind of money, I will celebrate because I enjoy that. I And I enjoy that confidence. And I enjoy, and with, even if she makes more money than me, you know, I I have no ego when it comes to that. I celebrate with her. But the thing about that is, I'm more observing of the posture. I'm observing of I can celebrate the fact that you went to go, that you were able to go and get it like that. But I also observing to make sure that these accolades don't make you who you are. That your self confidence don't come from what you accomplished, but your self confidence is rooted in who you are organically, and that you knew who God made you to be, to, to be before you got those those accolades. So as a Boaz man, I believe like. What we're looking for is posture. We're looking for what is your self-esteem rooted in? Because there's a difference between a woman who makes that much and gets it, but she's still humble, but still confident and, and able to celebrate the fact that she made these accolades and a woman who's feels like she's cocky now because she's accomplished these accolades and she don't need no man. And I don't need you anyway. And it's like that part turns us away. It's like If you're going to be if you're going to have that attitude about it, then you really don't need me. And there's no point in me trying to approach you because you might try to talk down to me just because of what you ha- or what you've accomplished. And that's the difference. We appreciate men who really are securing themselves. We appreciate confident women. We appreciate your accolades and we will celebrate with you. So I want to kind of, and I, what I want to say this too, I wanted to say that because I've been hearing even on Clubhouse as I've been doing certain rooms with individuals that the accomplished, confident woman is, is not an asset or it's a turn off to a guy because he's not needed. That's a complete lie. 
that's a turnoff to a man who's insecure in himself. Men who are secure in ourselves, we appreciate women who are able to go and get it, have that confidence, even if you're making more than us. We appreciate it even more because we're like, wow, we appreciate the confidence. We appreciate the posture. And we know that if we get with the women like you, we can make each other better because you've all, we're both on our own journey to wholeness and greatness. So we can do even more together. An insecure man, though, will turn it away because he feels like I'm not good enough to, for that or, or she doesn't need anything from me. Now, the difference is I just want to elaborate on is mm-hmm. don't deliberately turn that man away because you might feel like you're you're making more than him at a time or anything. Evaluate posture, not accolades. If he's on his own personal journey and you are too, then observe those things as he gets to know you. But don't allow like sometimes we allow friends or people to get in our ears and say, well, if you make it more than you doing this or you doing that, you don't need him. You Then that that could be a. I don't know. I feel like I don't know if I'm talking to somebody specifically here, but that could be something that's keeping you single. If you've turned away men because of the wrong reasons, if that man was on his own posture to leadership. Yeah, I think and- you're definitely talking to somebody. And I think about, you know, there's these men that are on the come up, if you will. And I know mm-hmm. that sometimes that can be a little tricky for women because they're like, no, I, I need him to already be established and already have, you know, his stuff going on. But I think that there's something to be said about somebody who was on their journey to greatness, if you will. They're on their journey to purpose, I like to say. I feel like if I was single, that would be very attractional to me versus somebody who might already have it. And they either are too cocky in that area or it's like, mm-hmm. well, how, how are they going to, how am I going to blend into that life? If they already kind of have their whole life set up and it's like, am I going to really be able to fit into that? And so what you're saying here is women like look deeper. And and as they, as you were talking, John, I just got this picture of, cause I know that there's so, I have several single friends, females, and I see them kind of looking to like their sights. They need to set their sights higher. I, I got this picture of like, almost like um you've heard of like the crab in the bucket mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like all these like crabs, which are basically kind of the average ordinary guy who's on social media every day and looking and scrolling and trolling and all of that. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's a million of them. Million. And a million. But then it's like what you're talking about is higher level. You're talking about a man who's confident in who he is, a man who knows who he is, who knows his purpose, a man who has keen eyes and knows what he's looking for. He's not playing games. So where are those men hanging out? Like if I were to tell these single ladies, (laughs) if I were to tell these single ladies, like lift up your eyes because the, the fields are ripe with harvest somewhere, where are they? Where are you guys hanging out at? Um, I don't have a, I really want to answer this question the right way. So what I want to say is I don't have a complete practical answer that says, oh, they're all in this specific geographical location or in this location. But I will say this. I believe that we'll be, that that women will be able to spot where the men are that they're looking for if they update their browser settings. I believe that Hmm. what's been going on with today's culture and society is that we haven't up. All right. So like when you go on Google, right, you go on Google and the first thing you can do is you can update your filter settings based upon what you're browsing for. But if you if you're browsing for something and you have outdated filter settings, you're going to keep pulling up the same versions of whatever it is, or whatever links you're looking for. And it's not going to be updated. And you're like, this isn't what I'm looking for. But you never updated your filter settings. So whatever you're browsing is still pulling up the same things. I believe the current browser settings for the culture. And don't get me wrong, those are great attributes to have. But I believe those, if, you, if you're if you just looking at that, you could be very well not the right guy that God could be wanting to point you to, could not be showing up in your filter settings because you're still using 
both outdated filter settings in your browser. So God might want to update your browser for so guys to pull up, but you've never updated your filter settings. So you're not seeing them. So in a more practical sense, what I want to say is I don't have a physical location for where all the Christian guys are because I don't think I, I don't have a physical location for them. But I believe if we if we update our filter based upon what God wants us to be updated on for 2021 or this year, or whenever this is being aired, I believe that you God will allow, allow you to see as women that the guy that you might be looking for, you'll be able to see attributes and not look not just look for statistics. Statistics might be, okay, this is, is he at this church? Does he have this title? Does he have this? And God might say, if you update your filter settings, I can show you attributes. Now, what do you say to the woman who's on the opposite end of the spectrum where she's a Christian woman and she's like, I don't want a guy in church? Because I've heard that too. Like I've heard mm-hmm. women being like, I'm tired of looking at guys in the church because they play just as many games as guys in the world. You know, they lie, they do this, they do that. So it's almost like there's this, I feel this mass exodus for single women mm-hmm. even looking at Christian guys. Now they're looking at guys who have good personalities, guys mm-hmm. who are who exhibit some of the Christian characteristics, though they might not classify as Christian. So how, how important do you feel like it is, you know, to use a, a you know, an old uh, King James terminology to be equally yoked? How important do you feel like that is in a relationship? Listen, that is extremely important. I don't care how much society tries to downplay it, how much your preferences might change or how much, you know, you might be aggravated and hurt and irritated and emotionally distraught right now, because even as a man, I've been there. Um, your convictions are always going, your convictions don't change, but preferences do. That's what I'm going to say. Convictions don't change, but preferences do. So right now you might prefer um, another type of guy or, or this or that because you've been upset and annoyed. But long term, that, that you don't want to allow temporary emotions to get you in a place where your convictions are now in conflict. So you, if you're on the up, all the way on the upper, opposite side of the spectrum and you're thinking, oh, I like this guy, he's a, he has cool personality, um, he's attractive, he runs his business well, and now your heart and your feelings get involved, what's going to end up happening is you might end up falling in love with this guy or falling in love with them, and those convictions lay dormant. And then you'll find yourself waking up one day with a child with them, and you're like, but I wanted to raise my child up in admission of the Lord. Like, I was a Christian growing up. Now these convictions come rising back up, and he's mm-hmm. like... Well, I don't go to church like that. It's too late now. When they take that, take you too late. You can get a divorce, but that would hurt. That's that's now you're too emotionally, not just emotionally invested, but you allow your temporary emotional pain to override your convictions, which mm-hmm. we're gonna rise back up because convictions don't change. So, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I would say don't allow temporary emotions to make you override your convictions just because you're hurt right now. Um, I, I always say there are three main things that I need, three main categories that I need to be attracted to a woman in. And the first one is spiritually. The second one is intellectually. And the third one is physically. Now, these are all ranked. Spiritually comes first. But then I do got to be able to relate to you intellectually. Can we have an intellectual conversation? Can we laugh together? Can I? And we, I don't want to just talk about the Bible and God all day. I love God. I'm a Christian first. But I cannot talk to you about uh, various random things. Can we talk? Can we joke? Can we talk about sports? Can we talk about um, clothing? Can we talk about things? Because I'm a human, too. And physically. And the reason I say this, Dana, because to me as a single man, this is so important because I dealt with this and it got annoying. I can't tell you how many times people would try to set me up, even in church, and be like, well, she's a great Christian girl. And in my mind, I'm like, but I'm not physically attracted to her. Right. Like, I don't care. Or, or they would be like, well, you know, um, she's got a nicer personality, but I'm not physically attracted to her. Or, and then on the flip, but that doesn't mean I'm going to just go talk to a girl that I'm physically attracted to if we're not spiritually on the same level. 
because I know that ambition is going to come back up when I want to raise my kids and I want to trust that my kids are with a, a wife that I married who knows how to hear God too. Mm. Because that's going to that's gonna bother me even more. But just because one, they're ranked more than the other doesn't mean I believe God would have me as a single man sacrifice one for the other. That's it good. may be a three-part being, like I'm a spirit, I possess a soul, and I live in a body. He's going to give me a wife that satisfies all three of those areas. He's not going to say, well, John, I made your three-part being, but here's a wife that only satisfies two. No, nah, that's, that's, that's craziness. Mm-hmm. So the weight, and I'm t- speaking to single, single women right now, the weight might be long, but God wouldn't make you a three-part being until you settle for only two, one or two parts of a man that you're attracted to. That's so good. That was worth the price of admission right there. That was so, so good, John. So listen, as we wrap up this conversation, I want to talk to you about celibacy because from what I hear, you've been practicing celibacy. And I think that, you know, as a married woman, this is where I kind of bow out of the single conversation because I'm just very cautious to be like, and what you need to do is make sure that you never have sex. You know what I'm saying? Because I I can have sex whenever I want to, right? So how are you able to maintain such a lifestyle again for seven years? Like we're not talking about seven weeks or seven months, like seven years. Like there are so many Christian singles who have aspirations to live that way because they believe in what the Bible teaches, but it's just practically speaking, they're failing because they, they just can't, they feel like they can't. So help them out a little bit. Um, well, to clarify, actually I've been celibate for 10 years. Wow. That's the, <laughs> that's the word. So, yeah, it blows my mind too. Um, I would say, but I would say it wasn't, it's not easy. Um, I believe one of the things that has really helped me is being deliberate to the convictions that God gives me. Everybody's, you know, celibacy walk is different, but you, so you have to really know yourself and you have to really be deliberate with the convictions God gives you. Don't try to weigh it up about what your friends are doing or what this person might be doing, because that's how you can really get yourself caught up. So from a personal perspective, um, giving some examples, I believe, even though it was tough for me, you know, not getting into relationships, even with ones that I knew I would. And it was those that were hard to give. I knew that God was also protecting me. He was also letting me know because the type of guy that I am, I'm actually, you know, I get involved with my heart first. I wasn't the type of guy that would want to be like, okay, well, let me just go have a, let me just go have sex with this girl because I think she's physically attractive. Now, even though a lot of guys do that, that was never even me, even before I, you know, even in my early 20s, even before I started really living for God, I would get my heart involved first. And that's when the physical intimacy would come. But that would come because I gave the girl my heart first. So one of the things of God being deliberate with me about was saying, John, one of the reasons that you, I'm having you not dating anybody either is because this is going to help you with your celibacy walk. It's a lot harder to break celibacy when you're not in a dating relationship and you're not, it's not somebody you're really feeling. And I believe for me, that was when it was hardest. If it was somebody I'm really, really feeling, then now I'm like, I want to because I feel I see myself marrying this person anyway, you know, so it's hard. Why not? But so if God is telling you not to date or if he's telling you, just listen to those convictions, that's what's going to really help you on your celibacy walk. You have to know boundaries that you got to put around yourself, mm-hmm. like, because my bishop says this thing with some a lot of times. He says, a lot of times you keep falling out of bed because you're sleeping too close to the edge. Mm. That always resonates with me. And um, because it's something where I'm like, okay, you know, I can, if I'm getting too close to women in a dating relationship, this is how I can end up doing this. So if one of the boundaries got strategically placed around me is, hey, don't date anybody right now, then that's an extra layer of me not being too close to the edge of the bed. Mm-hmm. You know, so. 
So I would say be very deliberate about if the convictions might seem radical. It might seem like, oh, this is a lot. This is doing the most. But it's all about how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to get the end result, the end promise that God has for you? Are you willing to go through each one of those steps? Because the temporary pleasure isn't worth it if you know that what God has for you is way better. Use, and he'll give you motivating tools as well. He'll he'll give you little winks that you're that you're on that purpose walk with him. And as you go along, he's gonna strengthen strengthen you along the way. You're not doing this by yourself. There's no way I would have been celibate for ten years by myself. Yeah. Like there are plenty of times I went to God. I was like, God, that was tough. Like God, that no was hard. Like really, God. But I would say as long as you're really really uh, deliberate about pursuing him, seeking him, and allowing his strength to be made perfect in your weakness, he'll give you the practical strategies. Or what else to do to go about your sing- your single your celibacy walk? That's so good, and I think you know we talk about self control a lot, and there's this misnomer, I guess, this fallacy that once you get married, you kind of don't have to have self-control. But self-control, not only is it one of the fruits of the spirit, but it's something that you need to have for for the entirety of your life. And so if you can develop self-control, I was on a, a, we did a marriage workshop the other day, my husband and I, and I was telling the couples, I said, you know, when you get married, you still have to have self-control. You cannot have sex all the time. There are times that somebody goes out of town. There's times that, you know, a woman might be on her cycle. Somebody, you know, she may have just had a baby. Like there's all these reasons that you are not going to always be able to have sex. And so if, if you can't develop that on the single side, what happens when you get married is that's where like infidelity happens, mm-hmm. right? Because somebody didn't develop the self-control on the single side. So now they're married. And so I always tell single women, especially if you're dating a guy and he won't take no for an answer, like not, he's like raping you, but like he keeps pressuring you, even though you keep saying no, that mm-hmm. is a huge red flag because what mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen when you get married and he can't have sex? If he mm-hmm. has not been able to develop self-control on the single side, he's not going to develop it on the married side. No. So, well, John, this has been a book. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> this has been so, so good. I think you, uh, what we talked about today, like you have dropped some major bombs. I have a whole page of notes over here. I'm super excited to be able to release this to our community. And um, I believe that single men and single women are going to be challenged. They're going to have their toes stepped all over, but they are going to be encouraged because, again, I think it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it. And you, brother, are all about it. So thank you so much for what you gave to us today. Thank you for having me. I'm humble. I appreciate it. Well, if you're listening to this, that means that you stuck around to the end. I hope that you, like me, found a lot of value in this episode. Thank you so much, John, for everything that you shared. I appreciate just your honesty, your transparency. And John, as y'all could hear, is a good old-fashioned church boy, right? Like he is a deacon up in his church, okay? And I realize that not everyone who listens to this podcast is Christian. And even if you're a Christian, not all Christians even go to church or are involved in church. And so I still hope that you were able to glean a lot of wisdom because I think what he shared is super, super practical. For you single women out there, the five qualities or the five attributes that he gave you, I'm just going to recap them for you because I love you and I don't want you to have to go back and hit rewind so that you can get all of these. So the first thing that John said a kingdom-minded man is looking for in a woman is exclusivity, not impossibility. Number two was availability, not desperation. Number three was he wanted her to be an asset, not a liability. Number four, know how to present yourself, including getting your sexy on, but in like a godly way. 
And then finally, number five was having a perfect blend of humility and confidence. Now, I know y'all ladies are like, okay, now this is the kind of man that we're looking for. I got you, okay? You have to stick around throughout this whole series because you are going to hear from some amazing single women who are going to shed some light on the brothers. So if you have a boyfriend, a brother, some man who you think needs this information, make sure that he also subscribes and listens to every single episode in this single AF series. And speaking of subscribed, if you yourself have not subscribed to this podcast, I mean, why are we still talking to each other? You need to subscribe and you need to make sure that you rate and review this podcast. That is the only way, you guys, that other people like you will be able to find this invaluable information. So be sure to subscribe. I would love to hear your honest reviews and I would love for you to rate the podcast. And finally, everything that you heard today is available on my website in the show notes section at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 31. You'll be able to have links to where you can find out more information about John. And I'm also going to throw in some freebies for you, some extra resources that are going to help you live your very best single life. So thanks so much for listening today, you guys. I appreciate you so very much. I'm super excited to be able to have some real conversations about single life over these next several episodes. So make sure that you stay tuned. And until next time, take care. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.